and welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Our number is 201-939-4513. We'll be here for the next hour to talk New York Giants football. You could always hit us up on the internet via Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. I'm Paul Tatino at Giants WFAN. Yes, you are. He is Jeff Fiegel, Super Bowl champ at Jay Fiegels. Yeah, good luck. And we very much hope that you will join the program as well. Jeff, you want to do the honors? Yeah, you know, Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light Mountain Cold Refreshment. Made to chill. Not chill today. It's pretty warm out today. So we had a couple weeks ago, I read this, and it was freezing out. So it was apropos (laughs) for the moment. But we are uh, very happy for our sponsor, Coors Light, doing this for us every day. So Mountain Cold Refreshment. Folks, we'll be here for the next hour, so please give us a ring or hit us up again on Twitter, and we'll talk all New York Giants football. Now, before we get into anything that you guys may want to talk about, I need to hit up Jeff because we had a very special day here at the facility last Friday when Eli Manning announced his retirement. Uh, John Mara, co-owner of the team, also said that his number 10 would be retired. And no, it was not for Jeff Fiegels, who had number 10 at one point. I'll be a trivia. It was for Eli Manning. I'll be a trivia question. Who who was the last player to wear number 10 before Eli? It was you. There you go. And before you, Kent Graham. Kent Graham, okay. So why don't we just start there for a second. When when Eli was was obtained in the trade, draft day 2004, from the San Diego Chargers for Phillip Rivers, uh, how soon was it? that he came to you and what were the circumstances well, under which he wanted the number 10 it well it, how soon it was the day that he got drafted <laughs> <laughs> i mean it couldn't be any and i imagine it was hours or minutes right after because i was on the golf course can you believe that paul that i was on the golf course folks that's just blowing it's my shockingly. mind shockingly it really is i mean april i was in phoenix um and the my phone rang and it was pat hanlon and uh, my nickname is Feegs, F-E-A-G-S. And he, he says, Feegs! You know, that Pat Hanlon voice of his. I said, hey, Pat, how you doing? He goes, hey, Feegs, listen to me. We just drafted Eli Manning. He's number 10. You're number 10. What do you think? I said, I, what do you think about what? He goes, what do you think about, you know, maybe giving you his number, to, giving your number to, to Eli? I said, absolutely, we'll work it out. He'll wear number 10 longer than I ever will. Um, have his people call my people. And he said, are you, are you sure? I said, absolutely. I have a feeling that the Manning families are good people, and I, I'm, I would trust that they are, and just get, just, just get it. He goes, well, what number do you want? I go, don't, don't worry about my number. Just give it to the guy you just, just drafted. So that's how that went down. Pat Hanlon facilitated it. And then we were, uh, you know, as it kind of went through, and I had to pick another number. At that time, I was in the league for 17 years. Mm-hmm. So 17 was available, and I took 17. That's how I got number 17. And then uh, Eli was able to – he bought me and my family a round-trip, all-expense-paid trip down to Destin, Florida for spring break that that next year. Really? um, For my family. So that's how he paid for everything. He – I mean, I booked it. He paid for it. And that's how – that's exactly how Eli Manning got number 10 from me. That is a great story. Have you ever told that? Oh yeah, I've in told public. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was a free trip to uh, I never Destin, heard Florida. This. You never yeah. told me. Oh wow. Well, 
then I, you know, on another I'm show. I'm supposed to be his friend. And listen. And college football <laughs> broadcast right. partner, I might add. Well, we don't. We never brought up the uh, in the college part of it about buying numbers. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do that in the college broadcast. But and then obviously I was number 17. And then on another show we'll get into how Plaxico Burris got number 17 from me too. So and you became 18. And I became 18 after that. Um, and it was that quick. And I wore 17 one year. And then it was 18 years in the league. And you know, Plaxico Burris was signed on March 17th. He wanted number 17. Well, I had 17, and he got 17. And then I got 18, and then now you know, they haven't retired 18 yet, but they're going to retire 10. Well, you can have a small part of that if you like, because well. we all know you wore it for a season. And I, I still have the jersey at home. Do you really? Yes, absolutely. It says, nice! It says Beagle's number 10 on it. I love on the it. wall? On the, no, I'll have it in my, in my collection. I do have a picture uh, of me punting at number 10, which you can imagine. Okay. That was my first year, and that was the, that my first year wearing number 10 was when uh, Jim Fossil was here. Right, 2003. In 03, yep. Yeah. Yep. And I took number 10 because I was number 10 in Arizona, and I was number 10 in Seattle. And then when I got here, I asked if I could have number 10. They gave it to me. Very cool. Yeah, great story. Uh, all right. Now, enough of memories. Get to Friday. Well, what did a, you think that, about that's Friday? That's a heck of a, a memory. It was a special day. Oh, it was. And first it's of all. It's not a memory yet. It's still recent. And first of all, I, I have to give some kudos to, you know, the Giants uh, Digital and all their guys. I mean, the whole production. It was awesome. And leading up into the into that day, a lot of work was being done around behind the scenes about putting all these uh, graphics up and all these videos and if you were fortunate enough to see a lot of those it was really special G great tribute to, to eli and then the day itself was just so special um i actually got to see eli in the hallway before he was he was making the rounds um in the building going around and saying goodbye to everybody and i just happened to duck my head out of the uh, our you know where our studio is and there was eli and you know, we got a good shot with talking to him. And, and I'm glad that happened because, you know, he was mobbed after everything was said and done at the, at the press conference. People were trying to say hello to him and take pictures. I actually got a few moments with him. Um, and, if, and if you remember, Paul, I know you do. You know, this, that just happened to me 10 years ago. That's the same thing, having a press conference. Mm -hmm. and, you know, not as big and grand as that style. But, Yours was in the theater. But ours was in the theater. Mine was a little smaller. <laughs> But it was it was a special day, and I think that yeah. you know the Giants obviously made that day so special for me and my family. And then Friday they did it for Eli and Abby and the and the girls and and little Charlie, their new boy. So I and of course, it couldn't have been any better. It was Eli ish to be able to stand up there and do what he did and how he talked about things, and um, he just did it did it so eloquently. And I think that it was spot on. Um, I love the thing where once a giant, always a giant, and then he said. What did he say? Uh, once a giant, always a giant, and only a giant. And only a giant. I mean, seriously, not many people can say that. Um, that's 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 kind of one of those things where there's a few people that can you know, that have played that many years in the organization, obviously. Um, but I just loved it. I thought it was a great great deal, a great send off. I think he enjoyed it. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story, and you're gonna know this, Paul. Remember when we were when we were getting those the programs on on the uh, seats. Yes. Okay. I, had a, I grabbed about there, six or seven of them. There, there was some em some <clears throat> extra ones that were left over by media guys who left and left the programs behind. And yeah. Jeff and I, w we had people who were not able to make it today, right. were at the event, who were asking us, could you could you grab me one? Yeah. So we were trying to scap up the ones that were left behind. I got about, I think I got about six or seven. And I was uh, on my way out to my car, 
and Eli was parked two two stalls down from me, and he was getting in the car with the girls, and I said to Eli, I'm like, Hey Eli, did you did you get any of these? He's like, No, I didn't. I go, You're kidding me. He's like, No. I go, Well, here, I gave them all to him. <laughs> I figured, listen, this is all about you. These are for you here. So I mean, I just thought that was. Uh, Do you have your own? No, I did not. I gave them all to him, and his, and one of his daughters said, "I want one," because I kept one for myself. You I do go, have one. I do not, and I gave it to her. So she's. I, uh, I have an extra. Okay, thank you. I'll make sure you get. But it. I think that he needed them. I was just like, here, these are this yeah, is your deal, right? For so, sure. Um, but I, I and I know you wanted me to touch on a story, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a brief thing that, and he actually brought this up, for all of you that were watching his uh, his speech, if you will, up there on the the podium. And he, he talked about the game, hit the players, the staff, everybody in the building. And he also talked about some of the things that he remembers vividly in, in his career. And, and he brought up what he called, it was the back of the bus. The back of the bus about having beers after the game in the back of the bus. Right. I cannot tell you how many times, uh, you know, I played a long time with Eli, okay? And the back of the bus game, we called it, was special. Now, all the offensive linemen were back there. Eli was back there. I was back there. Um, uh, Mike Sullivan, the offensive, uh, the, the quarterback coach. And um, i trying to remember who else. Oh, Quinn was back there. Special place. A very special place. And just a lot of fun. A lot of stories. A lot of heartbreaks. A lot of, you know, guys, you know, mad. Um, but that's where it all happened. And over the years, for somehow, in some way, Eli always had the beer on the bus. We didn't have to worry about it getting there. I think he's got connections everywhere. Okay, <laughs> so it was it was actually really nice. And were we breaking team rules? Yes, we were breaking team rules. Of course we were, but nobody cared. The funny part about it is we kind of had this idea that when you get on the team bus, especially after a loss, it's very quiet. And we were always on bus one. Now bus one, Co Coach Coughlin is in the front, and the coaches are up front, and so it's very kind of quiet. So we would have to somehow divert. So we'd have to kind of like cough as we opened up the beer can. Cause you hear that crack, right? <laughs> so, so you would be in the back of the bus and you hear that. And then uh, eventually I, it was funny. Cause one day I said to Eli, I go, Eli, why do you keep buying, buying this beer with the, with the cans that open the twist off one, buy, get the twist off one. So we don't have to keep coughing, you know? And he's like, fix I'm getting as much as I can here. I'm like, okay, I'm you know, beggars can't be choosers, but there are there were some great great times. And of course, I think I've told you guys before. I was roommates with Eli in training camp up in Albany um, in his younger days in O'Hara too. And between O'Hara and Eli, those two are they practical jokers, twenty four seven. And I and I just had to go along with all the stuff they were doing. And Eli found out at a, at a very early age that he couldn't mess with me. Because I had more time on my hands than any of those guys. As a punter. And, yes. you know, so while they're in meetings and while they're getting taped and all that kind of stuff, I just happened to be able to do whatever I wanted to those guys. I mean, whether it was baby powder in your helmet when you put the helmet on, the powder comes all over the place. <laughs> I mean, you know, the old cut the shoelaces down the middle, which is hilarious. If you've ever seen that one, when they go to tie their shoes and it, <laughs> it just like, it's like, and it, it, and by the way, and, and, you know, Eli's always early. So he always had time to put new shoelaces in his but what's funny is, is that players that joke around, you got to always have your head on a swivel, right? So you got to, if you ever take, take the day off, you're done, Paul. 
you've got to make sure that everything's you look in your helmet before you put it on you look at your shoes before you put them on you look at your jock before you put i mean everything is like a, every single day you're looking because something's happening and it's just it's crazy it gets to the point where you're like you're always looking over your shoulder somebody would be in the shower you walk in they scare the you know what out of you it's i mean it's just you constantly have to look out and eli's what he loved to do eli has the 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 wet towel and the snap oh i mean you've had that happen right yeah it hurts yeah yeah it hurts and that's just you know that's not fun but folks if you did not catch by the way friday's special edition of big blue kickoff live we went for an hour and 15 minutes we had to push Ooh. it back to 130 because the ceremony uh would have conflicted with the time of the program we had brandon jacobs come on for the oh, first great. 15 minutes and then david tyree came on oh good for another 15 minutes so the first half hour of that show you've got just unedited yeah. Eli stories oh, from Brandon Jacobs and from David uh. Tyree. It's on the archive, the Big Blue Kickoff Live archive uh. at Giants.com. Or, of course, go to your uh, podcast, uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live podcast site and pull that thing down. And you'll get even more stories about Eli. Brandon Jacobs in particular oh. said that one of Eli's favorite things was the blue dye. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously you got caught with it no i never you got caught not. with it but i saw many people get caught with it so it was listen eli was that's one of his favorite so was rich soybert rich soybert would get people with that blue dye and we're talking about the dye that comes in those packets when you rob a bank and when somebody i mean and this stuff is like it's it's potent folks and I, he probably told you this stuff does not come off with soap and water <laughs> It is on for weeks, sometimes months, and it's and I tell you, and you, oh, it's bad. And I just, you know, I never got involved in that because I felt like it was just a little bit too much of an invasion of somebody's privacy to be able to have to go out in public with blue dye on their face or their hands. But most, listen, most of the time they put them in the gloves. And this stuff is activated by by water or heat right. or you know so, so your hands so as soon as oh, and, and what's funny about it is if you don't know what's in there you don't know because it's it's powder and you got your you got your gloves on and they're strapping them up and they go through practice the whole day and then they come in after practice is over and they're taking all their pads off and everything and they take their their gloves off and the next thing you know their hands are completely like as blue as that helmet. And they're sitting there like blue, and you're just looking at them, and you're laughing so hard because they do not know what's happening. And then they go to the bathroom and try to rub it off. Uh-uh. No. No, it's like spray paint, and it stays on there. So now when the guys go to dinner, they go to dinner, they're sitting there like this, they're drinking, and their hands are all blue. <laughs> and you know that those are the rookies. Oh, my. All right, folks. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the opening to the program. Of course they did. We've certainly had a lot of fun talking Whoa. about uh, the stories involving Eli Manning and his time here with the Giants. It was a great day it on was. Friday. We now move on to your phone calls at 201-939-4513 or on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. We will start with line one, Bruno from Atlanta. You will begin our program here on BBKL. Hello. Hi, Bruno. Bruno, are you there? One, two, three. God, Bruno, Sorry. Way to go. We will go to Mike from Atlanta. That happened to Bruno last time I was with him. You're on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello, Mike. Uh, Mike? Hmm, looks like nobody wants to talk to you. Paul. Mike is gone, too. Maybe I should Maybe I should welcome him, and then they'll want to talk to me. They don't want to talk to you. I, I can't imagine what's going on. Well, uh, well <clears throat> hello. You're next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. <laughs> 
Well, we got a little are we having are we having issues with the phones? Yeah, we are. Okay. We're having issues with you the know. Phone. By the third time, three strikes you're out. Yeah, I kind of figured that something was you're wrong. You're not batting a thousand now, Paul. No, 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 no. You're well, there. anyway, we'll see if we can get that squared away. In the meantime, what was what? Let me ask you a question. It's a, yes. let's just switch. Um, tell me a little bit about how you liked the ceremony on Friday, and give me one of your Eli stories. Well, I think I think the ceremony was so well done because it was to the point. It was um, very touching for me to have John Mara talk about the conversation he had with his dad. Yeah, that was real. After the Dallas yeah, game yeah. in 2004 that ended the season. And uh, that broke my heart, you know, uh, Mr. Mara telling John, we found our guy. Yeah, that, that, that broke his heart too. Yeah. Yeah, John was a little bit upset about that. and That um, hit me really right yeah. there. Yeah, well... You know, yeah, and, and, and I mean, you got to remember something. I I knew Mr. Mary, and he's one of the reasons that I'm covering this team well, for 37 years. And he's a dear friend of mine, and I miss him terribly. I I will tell you that I was fortunate enough to be on the team when Mr. Mara was alive, and you know he and and got to know him for a couple years. And I think it was so special to see him out there at practice. Um, like I told you, you know, when I had time on my hands, as I was talking to to Mr. Mara, you know, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, that was that was a touching moment for for John Mara to to be able to to say that and and really they did they found their guy. So between that and the retirement of the number, yeah, which I I I thought might happen during the Ring of Honor ceremony that the Giants will eventually have for Eli. John, by the way, has said that when Eli wants to schedule that, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. He's going to wait for Eli to tell him when he wants to do okay. it. So I thought maybe the ten would wait till then. Okay, but John didn't wait. Yeah. Yeah. He did it on Friday, and I thought that was really, really cool. In addition to seeing all the alums come up. I mean, there was about three dozen alums yeah, who would come awesome. for the ceremony, and that was really cool. And then I thought the other thing that, 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 that you want to mention, uh, you said you want me to mention an Eli story. I'll give you an Eli story. 2011, regular season game in Foxborough. It is so overlooked. It is truly one of the classic games that Eli Manning played. He beat Tom Brady in Foxborough. In prime time. And people never talk about this game, but I think it was one of the most meaningful Eli Manning games of his career. Mm -hmm. There were three touchdowns scored in the final three and a half minutes of that game. Eli had led the Giants the length of the field and hits Manningham for a touchdown pass and puts the Giants up. Tom Brady gets the ball back. He goes the length of the field. He hits Gronkowski. And now the Patriots are up by three. Eli gets the ball back. And in the final minute, leads the Giants on an eight-play, 80-yard drive. He hits Jake Ballard with a touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone. And the Giants beat the Patriots, who had not lost a home game in two and a half years, yep, in prime-time action. And I truly believe those three touchdown drives, Eli sandwiching one by Brady in the middle, I really believe that was a Super Bowl-type game. That's the kind of quality of play that those players put on the field that night, and it was once again Eli emerging victorious over Tom Brady in his house. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. It's one of my great memories of Eli, and here's what I want to tell you about it, Jeff. I was down on the sideline, okay, and when Gronkowski caught the touchdown pass and, and the people in Foxborough were erupting because here it is now under two minutes to go, and, ah, you know, Gronkowski and Brady have slayed the dreaded Giants dragon and Eli Manning. This is Tom's revenge. When Gronkowski caught the touchdown, I was right behind the Giants bench, and Eli was standing in front of me. And it was pretty cold at the time. There was a pretty good wind kicking up. It was kind of chilly. 
Eli never blinked. He had his helmet in his hand. He looked up, looked around, took his helmet, went over to that heating thing that they right had at the end of the of vent. Yeah. Put, put, the, put the helmet in front of it for the hot air to blow out. Took a quick shot, okay? Turned around and said, let's go, guys. Put the helmet on. Eight plays, 80 yards, touchdown. Eli and the Giants win. Brady and the Patriots lose. He was as calm and cool and collected <laughs> Just like he was in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then, of course, what happened three months later, he did it to Brady again, did it again. for another Lombardi yeah. trophy. Yeah, and I'll tell you, that's two. It's a great memory for me. I was right there, and, and it was something that only I could see because I was right in, front of, sure. right in front of him there on the bench. And, and that, to me, is typical of what Eli Manning did for 16 years for this New York football Giants team. And I, I, I really... I, I don't like the fact that that game doesn't get talked about at all. Everybody talks about Green yeah. Bay. And everybody talks about San Francisco in 2011, Green Bay 2007. I get it. The 2004 game, significant to John because of obvious family reasons. But the 2011 game in Foxborough, Jeff, I will never forget that game. Well, a lot of people, a lot of Giants fans won't ever forget that season, how many times he had those comeback wins and how much, you know, that he just took some shot that whole season. Um, and every week it was... Here's Eli to the rescue. Here's Eli to the rescue. Yep. And it was a special, special year for him. And, you know, I tell you what, he he is the most classy, um, just accountable, just a, a wonderful human being. The guy is just, uh, he, you can't say enough about him. I will tell you this, folks. Whenever we were anywhere, Eli never, ever let us pay for anything, ever. I mean, it didn't matter. We tried to we tried to get the back door, of the credit card to the to the to the uh, waiter or the waitress or whatever. Never, ever. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's never a chance for us to do anything like that. He's always been so, just you know, he's just a great guy. And All you right. know what? And he's a funny dude, man. Behind the scenes, he is a funny guy. <laughs> he really is. Let's try these phone calls try it again. again. Hopefully, the phone lines are now working. We go to Mike from Atlanta. Are you there? Hello, Mike. Double click that. Double click it. Click Mike. it again. Mike? Mm. One more time. Mike? Hello, Mike. <laughs> no, it's not working. Mm. All right, so that's enough of that. That's not going to work. That's, that's not a good thing. Go to some Twitters. Let's see what we could do. Hit us up yeah. at the hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. That's the best one. That's the best one. Um you know what I loved about Eli? He, he and this is a lot of players like this, and you know this, Paul, is that guys are very routine, right? I mean, and it becomes almost to the point where they are superstitious that they're routines. And Eli is just the same way. You know, every day, you know, my locker was always next to him during the games and during during the season in the locker rooms, and you could just tell like every he just knew it. You know, on Thursdays mm -hmm. he did this, and on Wednesdays he did this, and Mondays he came in and did this, and it was just really, really good to see how he was able to just handle the media so well. Um, was impressive, and you hear him talk, and the accountability was what you love to see out of someone like that. And you know, I would imagine that Daniel Jones is going to be the same way. You know, you want a guy that's going to get up there and take some accountability when things happen, and Eli always did that. You know, and I've told the story over and over about about Mondays, Paul. And you're here on Mondays. Mm -hmm. You've interviewed him on Mondays, and you've never in someday you've never interviewed him on Mondays. I mean, if he wins, he's not here. If he loses, he's here, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of how it. And that just goes to show you where he always put the team first, 
And I think that, you know, when you were listening to what he was saying in his speech, he always he was always appreciated the people that taught him the game of, of life and in football. And Coach Coffin was one of those, the teams first, you know. And I think that um, the more and more people can understand that concept, the better off the football team will always be. All right. Um, maybe you guys want to try hitting the board up there instead. Maybe this is what's broken. So why don't you give it a shot? And we'll go to line four. Charlie from Portland, you're first on the show. Hello? Charlie? Charlie's probably the one that broke the show by calling in. That's my guess. And we've got nothing coming through that board either. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> all right. I, I, you, well, I don't pay the phone bill here. Do you? No. Well, somebody must not pay the phone bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry, folks, you know, but you got us. We can sit there and talk for hours if you want us to. We will. Um, well, we should tell people, by the way, if you subscribe to the Giants Audio Podcast, please note that Big Blue Kickoff Live has its own dedicated podcast. Mm -hmm. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. Again, Big Blue Kickoff Live is no longer available uh, in the Giants Audio Podcast. Please subscribe to the Big Blue Kickoff Live Podcast. You can still watch or listen to the show on Giants.com and, of course, on your phone on the Giants app. Um, the one thing about uh, what we were just talking about a, a second ago, uh, you, want, you want to try it again? You want to try it again? Uh, one second. Okay. One second. All right. All right. Hang on there, folks. We, we're working on it. 201-939-4513 is our We've got number. the bubble gum. We're putting some lines together. <laughs> it's going to work here in a second. And we'll solder them together yeah, with bubble gum. Yeah. There yeah. you go. we got to go. Uh, so if you want to try giving us a call, we'll see if we can get you on hold, and then we'll try to see if we can pot you up. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, you're going to have to listen to us for just a little bit longer. Uh, you were saying just a second ago. Yeah. About, about, about Eli on Mondays. Yeah. And, and that's important, folks, because as a leader, he understood that quarterbacks get all the attention anyway they're the magnet for the media no sure. matter what happens in the game so on mondays after a giants win eli would not come into the locker room during the media session because he wanted his teammates to share the glory when they lost he immediately was the first guy in the locker room because he wanted to take the heat for everybody else and absorb the bumps and the bruises so that too many of the other guys would not have to deal yeah. with the negativism that was coming out after the loss. And that just goes to show you that how that's class, right? I mean, that just goes to show you how how important the team is to him and and taking the pressure off of him, you know. So well, and the other thing you must understand too is that Eli never complained, never made an excuse, never pointed a finger at anybody. Yeah, yeah, never. never Those will. three things never, yeah, never will either. You know? let's, let's try it again. We're going to go to Charlie in Portland, Maine, on line four. Are you the lucky one who got through, Charlie? I think so. No, oh, I'm going to mute him again. I'm going to mute him. I knew. <laughs> do we have to, does he have to be the first one to come on? Schmelk Sh I mean, says we should restore the, the mixer to broken. <laughs> Hi, Charlie. Hey, guys. Hi, Charlie. Hey, thank, was that John? Did he fix everything? Yeah, Schmelk, Schmelk got it working again. Uh, hey, well, maybe Eli's playing another prank, you know? Hey, you hey know, right? I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, right. Go ahead. Hey, hey, Jeff, you got fleeced. Man, you could have got a trip to Europe and you settled for Florida. Oh. <laughs> Charlie, come on now. Seriously. <laughs> I didn't want to go to Europe. He offered Europe. I wanted to go to Florida. 
<laughs> my kids didn't have passports, so I couldn't go. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, if it's hey, free, I, it's I, for me. I still went. That was good. <laughs> hey, I just I just want to just say that uh, it was a sad day yesterday, losing yes. Kobe and yep. his daughter and all those people on that helicopter. And No doubt. Tragic. He uh, gave us 41 years of uh, excellence and kindness and... Um, he made a footprint on this earth, and I hope a lot of people can follow him. No one's going to, I mean, not follow him, walk beside him, because nobody's going to follow those footsteps. But um, it was a sad day, but, it, you know, looking back, I'm glad we had 41, um, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's, he was an incredible human being. So, thank you, besides Charlie. the basketball player. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It was very somber yesterday. I mean, it, I, I, I have my kids were all in a group chat yesterday. And, you know, for me, my boys are older and they're in their 20s. And I think this is the first iconic sports figure that they have seen pass away yeah. that has been impactful yeah. on their lives. You know, mm -hmm. we we're older. Yeah. So we've had people that have tragically died in a sports uh, arena that we've known and things like that. But this was the first one for them. And they were they were. They were shaken up. They really would. I yeah. mean, it was it was tough for them. See, I go back to when Roberto Clemente oh, God. Di died in the plane yeah. crash. And yeah. I remember listening yeah. to that on the radio, on the news uh, early. I think it was a Saturday morning that had come on the radio. And I always had a little portable radio with me everywhere I went when I was a kid. And I remember them saying that Clemente had passed away on a, on a trip where he was trying to give aid and relief to victims of, yeah. of some hurricane. Sure. And, uh, that was the first time that I had remembered any sports hero being tragically uh, denied and have his life cut short like that. Mine was Thurman Thurman Munson. Well, yeah, later on, Munson, of yeah. course, that one there of was course. crazy, you know. And uh, of course, I remember when Elvis died. That was everybody knew that one. So he didn't um, play ball though. What's that? He no, no, ball. no. But I'm seeing the celebrity. But we all remember that. Yeah, absolutely. no question. So. What's going on there, Charlie? Right, what Charlie. else you got for us? Hey, uh, what's going on with our coaches? Do we have coaches we have yet, none. or are no, they we, still in flux? Or no, what? they're 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 uh, you know they're around. I think I've seen some people here, but I don't know officially what who who is signed and and what. So until we get those officially, we can't really tell you about uh, them. I I have to break news here. Oh, okay. There's a hiring freeze on the Giants coaching staff until Charlie gets in his application. Well, come on, Charlie. <laughs> Put it in. <laughs> hey, it's in there. They already got their offensive line coach, I think. I got well, passed up. Um, I, I believe that, you know, they're they're d diligently going through it because they got to get going, you know, and I think it's just yeah. a matter of protocol from here on out. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. I just been want, I just, I just wanted to say if they had they said when they're going to announce Ch anything. Well, Charlie, to be fair, the Giants public relations staff is very well thought of around the league. Consequently, they're in Miami helping out with the Super Bowl. Uh, the league uh, okay. always drafts the best of the best from around the league to help out with their biggest event of the year. So Giants PR is in Miami dealing with the Super Bowl, helping out down there. So I don't think you're going to hear anything coming out of here this week, yeah. if only because they're not here. Now, I will say this. The coordinators were announced all at once. I think right. the rest of the staff will be announced all at once. But that's simply a hunch on my part. Mm -hmm. And as he's... Uh, dropping the dominoes and some of the spots are being filled. I think you're just going to have to wait till they all get solidified. Yeah. All right. And they hey, got a lot of work. Picks on the Super Bowl. Who, who are you guys? Who do you guys have? Well, I I want? I would like to see Andy Reid. I really would like to see him. Uh, I said this last week. I feel like, um, I just think that it's it would be special for him. You know, he was my coach for a day in the Pro yeah. Bowl one year. So I like him a lot. 
and I know that he's been through a lot in his career. Um, he, and we all know he's a good coach. Um, and, you know, and, and Shanahan, he's just, you know, he's too young right now. He, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Andy Reid has been around a while. He's got to, you know, he just needs to win his and then Kyle, Kyle Shanahan can do it later. But I'll tell you, I think it's going to be a great football game. I really do. I think it's going to be a really good football game. And that's really what you want, right, Charlie? You want to have a good game. Yeah. I mean, unless it's the Giants, who cares? I'd like to see see Spags win it. That's right. I Um, forgot about Spags. Yep. You know, so I like Kansas City, but I like San Francisco too. So, you know, there's no villain. You know, the Patriots aren't there, thank God. So there's no villain. (laughs) So I don't, you know, I like both teams. Thank you, Charlie. I I think I'd rather have Kansas City win it. All right. Be well. We'll talk to you again soon. Yep. You know, I had a chance to to meet John Lynch both when he was playing and, and when he retired. Um, I was at a I was at a Wharton School of Business function that we went to. Um, it was a week long down at, at at UPenn in Philadelphia, and he was there. And I got to know him because we were doing projects together and things like this. And um, what a, what a mind this guy's got, you know. And it's 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 crazy because at the time when we were doing this, he basically didn't know what he was going to be doing. I mean, he was kind of like you know. I, I don't, you know, I'm broadcasting or get back in the game or whatever. He was trying, trying to prepare himself for the future um, by going to this business school thing that we went to. And um, certainly he's done done a heck of a job because, you, you listen, you got to give him a lot of credit on building that team. I mean, the, what they were done. And, and if you want some, Paul, and you know this, if you guys want some optimism, look at what this 49ers team has done the last couple of years. They're in the Super Bowl. It can be done. It mm-hmm. can be done. Okay. It's going to be a lot of hard work, and you're going to have to get lucky injuries, and your quarterback has to play good. Um, but I'll tell you what: if you can build a defense like they did in San Francisco, my goodness, you know they say defense wins championships. Well, it all starts on both sides of the trenches, which is why I believe the 49ers are going to win the game, and I don't think it's going to be necessarily very close either. Really? I would love to see Kansas City win because I'm friends with Spags, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I'm pulling for Steve Spagnuolo. I've made this obvious on WFAN. I'll make it obvious here on BBKL. I'm rooting for Spags to get another championship. Okay. I don't think he'll get it. I think the 49ers are too strong in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I don't think they lose. I think they win by at least a touchdown. But that's how I feel. Well, we, if, if it's just a touchdown, that's a pretty close game then. Well, I don't think it's going to be a field goal or razor thin. I don't think it's going to come down to the final minute. Well, I, I really just don't, don't I don't really care who wins other than the fact that from what we just talked about, I just want if we're going to watch the game, you know, there's always the parties you're going to and you're being there. I just don't want to have to have an excuse to leave at halftime. Because it's a horrible game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, All right, let's go back to the phones. On line three, Jeff, you're next on BBKL. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Uh, hello, guys. Um, uh, talking about Eli, um, and um, I witnessed the, the press conference, and, 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 and I've looked at all the videos on, on the Giants website, and it's just amazing. I went through every one of his touchdown. Yeah, it's uh, like over an hour, right? It, it was amazing, it yeah, but you know what? From beginning to end, it was just thrilling to see all that stuff all over again. Uh, but I do have a question because you've mentioned, and, and I've seen this too, where Eli really doesn't call out anybody on his team if somebody makes a mistake. I've, I, I, I never saw that until one time. And correct me if I'm wrong because I would like to be wrong, but it was in Super Bowl Forty Two. 
and it happened to be to the guy who caught the helmet the, the helmet catch. Tyree. It was to David Tyree, and it was on a pass play before that. The, the pass play where uh, the cornerback for New England almost catches Asante the ball. Samuel? Yeah, uh, yeah, Sante Samuel, and and I saw Eli. It was it, maybe David Tyree uh, stopped his route or shortened his route. Yeah, he got that's lucky. why apparently Sante Samuel had a clear shot to the ball. But I saw Eli like shout something mm-hmm. in that direction right after that pass play happened, and I thought it was to uh, David Tyree. Do you have any recollection of that, or or am I just? Uh, uh, shooting the breeze here. No, no, I, I think I think you're right, and but I will tell you that that's not the only time. I I have uh, seen many, many, many times of Eli getting in people's faces, um, in in particularly because when you run the wrong route, which is I, I'm guessing that's what happened in that situation, um, you, there's a potential for an interception for a touchdown that could potentially lose you the game, right? So, and that's kind of the, the that's kind of the competitiveness you see in Eli. It's like, hey, listen, you know, you can't do that. Uh, you know, I mean, come on. You know, we're studying. We're doing it. And by the way, by the way, and this has been reported, and I saw it live. David Tyree could not catch a cold the week of the, of the Super Bowl. I mm-hmm. mean, at practice, he dropped everything until he got the bubble gum on his hands and he caught the one on the helmet, which was great. That, hence the Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah, the famous beat him back ball, I guess, <laughs> uh, as, as I remember seeing uh, some of those highlights where uh, during that practice, he just yeah. couldn't, he couldn't catch anything. See, Jeff, but, I think uh, there's some confusion here because what Eli did was leadership. What you do on the field, yeah. when, you, when you tell a guy, hey, come on, man, you screwed that up. We got to get that right next time. That's leadership. What I'm talking about is Eli never pointed a finger or sold somebody out to the media after a game. Of course. It's different when you tell a team on the field or in the huddle. Yeah. That's not the same as fingering a guy or passing the buck or getting the bus run over him in the locker room after the game is over. Yeah, so the that. answer is Eli never did it. Right. Okay, uh, a little bit of semantics because I, I believe that uh, – no, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think he's ever ever done that to, to any teammate of his. But it was that on-the-field thing. I, I rarely saw that from Eli. He, he tried to, um, you know, correct a situation that uh, I guess was uh, was a problem. And, and obviously, uh, David Tyree made up for it big time. Yeah, he did. He well, sure did. appreciate the call, Jeff. Thank yeah, you. Thank you, Jeff. All right. A- every quarterback who is a leader is going to make those corrections on the field. Uh, there's no question. And some you have them, to. And some of them make them a little bit more verbal. And some of them, guy will come back to the, to the uh, huddle and he'll just tell them in the huddle. But, you know, this is part of the competitiveness and just the way that the game is played at, at that level, everybody's got to be on the same page. And I think a lot of times, and I'm not saying this is a deal with Eli or anybody for that matter that played with Eli, that he would always act this way. But if you look at some other players around the league, what, what would make – and I'll give, you a, I'll give you an instance. Talk about leadership, okay? When, when, you are, when you are trying to win football games and you are in here in the building at 6 o'clock in the morning and you're here an hour and a half before anybody else gets here – and you leave an hour and a half after anybody else leaves, um, and you're working your butt off to win and prepare, and there's guys cutting corners that are running the wrong routes or they're not blocking the right guy or they're not running the, the play correctly, that's when leaders get in other guys' face because that's the trickle-down effect. You know, you're going to cost me a game because you're not preparing. 
you know, and you know, the key to success is preparation. And that's what it, everybody has to be on the same page and prepare and guys get in people's faces when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And that's exactly right, Paul. That is leadership within your team. That's right. It. I mean, Strahan was the same way, man. Strahan, I, I saw him so many times come off the sideline and yell at OC and yell at Tuck because they weren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know? And then, then, then of course, um, Strahan leaves and then who takes over that role? Tuck takes over that role and OC takes over that role. And now they're yelling at the younger guys, you know, <laughs> it's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. You look, I'm just, I'm just playing that, that play for you now. Yeah. And as I understand it, and I know Tyree is the gentleman who was right there by Samuel when the ball goes off of Samuel's fingertips along the far sideline, as I understand it, and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that uh, I'm selling a guy out because I'm not. But as I understand it, I had heard not from Eli, but from others that what really happened on that play is that Steve Smith had run the wrong route. And he was supposed to be somewhere in that vicinity on a shorter route. And Eli actually overthrew a timing route that was supposed to go to Steve Smith. And that's why it wound up in the vicinity of Tyree and Samuel. It didn't look that way. And that it... I understand. Yeah. And I had been told this by others subsequent to the Super Bowl that it was actually Steve Smith who did not run the right route. And Eli actually was upset with Steve for not running the right route. It wasn't so much he was going after um, David Tyree. Just FYI. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Unconfirmed. You know, again, it's I can't remember who told it to me. It was it was Steve Smith. It would no, it wasn't Steve, <laughs> and it wasn't Tyree, and it wasn't Eli. It was somebody else. Yeah, and and that was, and it was explained to me like everybody thought it was Tyree, but it really wasn't. And you could understand that because Steve Smith was a rookie mm -hmm. and had been hurt most of the season and had just come back for the postseason. Turned out he made a huge third down conversion catch later on on that drive. Yes, he did. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you know that's fine. But um, anyway, and by right. the way, I, I, you know, just real quickly, seeing that Manningham pass that Eli threw, which I by mean, the way is a better pass. When you talk about passes, oh. the the pass to Manningham uh, in in that Super Bowl, the second one after the 2011 season, is maybe the most perfect pass ever thrown in NFL history. And by the way, and it looked perfect too. It was a tight spiral. It had some velocity on it and it could, it, it was thrown where only one man could catch it. And that was Mario Manningham. I he mean, hit the it, top of a needle with it, that it pass. Was un, it, and I, you know, you kind of forget that pass until like when now last week, you know, all these highlights of, of, of Eli and things and they're showing that pass. And I saw it probably 25 times last week. And it was beauty every single. It was it was special. Yeah, it really was. And it was it was and it was basically off his back foot too. By the way, he just threw mm -hmm. that thing down there, and it was just a, a a gem, a gem. I don't know how many quarterbacks in the history of the NFL could have executed that pass. Well, I mean, they've tried. They've tried. Yeah, it was two people. It was two defenders there. I mean, it was just perfect. You know. All right, we go back to the lines. Well, Number we hope. Uh, Mike from Atlanta. I hope we have you on BBKL. Hello. Hey, guys, how are you? Yeah, uh, we're there good. we go. Nice right. to talk to you. Good. Third, third time's a charm. Uh, just want to give kudos to the Giants. They did a really great job with yeah, the I agree. Eli ceremony last week, especially with only two days' notice, I would imagine. I, I thought it was superb. 
Yeah, I'd agree. I think it was done. I mean, if you're a fan of Eli Manning and the Giants, they did the digital stuff that was out all week. The, you know, the the how about the passes that every touchdown, um, you know, drives. It was really, really well done. And there, there was a lot of people that worked extremely hard on that stuff, yes. as you said, in short notice to get those things done. And they they uh, they surf, certainly deserve, you know, a round of applause. And that, that's awesome. You know, supervisors, uh, Don Sperling, uh, Christine Baluat, uh, Doug Murphy from Creative Services. Yep. Those, those folks. Guys. And then everybody who worked in their departments the had a hand in this. Sure. Yeah. It was, a, it was a special time. Okay, really quick Eli question, then I'll get to my main question on Leonard Williams. Um, Paul, you may remember this. I'm sure Jeff probably does. Back in 2016 when the Giants played the Redskins at home, there was a hit where uh, Western Richburg missed his pickup, and Eli just got clobbered by Chris Baker with a helmet directly in his throwing shoulder. You never heard anything about it in 2016, but if you looked at, at the stats, Eli's stats went down after that Redskin game. Uh, was Eli hurt, and they never said anything at the time? Well, you have to understand something. A guy is only hurt if he appears on the injury report. Every football player will it's tell hurt. you as the season <laughs> goes goes on, they, they're in pain. They're suffering different maladies. But if he doesn't miss any time in practice, technically – He's not hurt because he doesn't show up on the injury report. Mm -hmm. So was was he obviously uh, affected by that? I don't think there's any doubt that that hit gave him some discomfort. But I'll give you one that's even more than that. How about the fact that in Cleveland, in a primetime game against the Browns, Eli gets flattened and pancaked by Sean Rogers, 350-pound Sean Rogers. That hit. Okay, that hit not only injured uh, Eli's shoulder, he also wound up with uh, a cracked ribs. Okay, and was in serious agony from when Sean Rogers landed on him, and because he never missed any practice time or any game time, technically he was not injured. And and you know, but that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Yeah. I, I will say this. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you something. I think I, I gave this out the other day on BBK, or maybe it was on WFAN. I asked the medical staff just the other day on Friday. I won't tell you which one of them. I said. <laughs> I said. Listen. In retrospect, I want to be able to 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 let the people know about this. Eli's 16-year career never missed a game due to injury. What was the closest the medical staff felt that he would miss a game? Mm -hmm. And I was told it was the plantar fasciitis that he suffered in Kansas City. Okay. When he had gone back to plant on his back foot, yep. and the plantar fascia in the middle of the, of the base of the foot had torn. actually torn. And if you go back and look at the yeah. highlights of that play, and you can find it, it's available. Eli pulls up on the foot and just throws off his front foot with the pass. Well, Eli did not practice that ensuing week until Friday. In fact, I remember him having a boot. Yep. And and fortunately for him, he was able to get through it, never missed a game, and the next three weeks, he had very, very painful plantar fasciitis and was able to fight through it and never miss time. It's a tough one. And that 
I'm told by the medical staff, was the closest that they thought he had come to actually not being able to play in a game. Now, you will also remember, I believe it was the end of the 2013 season, he suffered a high ankle sprain in the season finale. Well, the Giants did not make the playoffs. There was no game the following week. As it turned out, he was in a boot and on crutches. And with a high ankle sprain, he was not going to play the following week. But the Giants did not have a game. Their regular season ended. So, therefore, I don't count that one because there was no game on the schedule for him to miss. So, I don't count that as a near miss because there was no game on the schedule to be played. So that doesn't count to me. And, and so the plantar fasciitis against Kansas City was, was the one that almost got him, just so you know. Okay, great. Uh, and my question on Leonard Williams, I've been doing a lot of research and looking online at everything I could find. And all the transactions on NFL.com, Giants.com, even the Jets webpage, state that the Giants traded – a third-round pick for Leonard Williams. It never stated which third-round pick, and I'm assuming that's because, obviously, the Giants did not know if they were going to have a compensatory pick at the time. And I'm wondering if you guys know, or or do you know when it's going to be announced, which third-round pick is going to the Jets in the Leonard Williams trade? Because I see a lot of mock drafts out there, and they all have the Giants losing their own pick in the third round. But I would think the transaction sheets would say the Giants gave up their third-round pick instead of saying a third-round pick. And I'll take my answer off the air. All right. Thank I you. Don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I my understanding is that when a trade is made of that nature, it is always pending, right? your pick unless it is designated right then and there that it is a pick through somebody else because it was somebody else's pick. So it, in my understanding, it would be the Giants' original third-round pick. Okay. But I could be wrong. I, I don't want to put that in stone. That's how I always understood it, though. When you trade a pick, it is your pick unless designated as one that you would receive through somebody else. And the compensatory picks are all there's some hidden formula that that goes through that nobody knows, right? I mean, it's just like... Well, okay. yeah. Yeah, you there know. are guesses and estimates, and people have been taking educated guesses, and there is a belief that the Giants will get a compensatory third-round pick coming up in this draft. But my point primarily is Primarily because the of the Landon Collins. Like, but where in the well, third round? Well, it's at the bottom. Yeah, but I mean, like, will it be the 33rd one, or will it be if there's, you know, it depends on how many other people got compensatory third-round picks. That's correct. So. That is correct. All right, uh, let's go back to the phones. We have, I believe, Scott in New Mexico is next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hey, Scott. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Good. Hi. I was watching uh, Eli Manning's press conference, but immediately after his press conference, I watched a number of shows, and the debate began as to whether Eli should be a Hall of Fame or inducted into the Hall of Fame. Scott, and there's no debate. Scott, there's no debate. He's well, a Hall of Fame or case closed. Call. Go ahead, but uh, there's no debate. Yeah, and that was my point. I don't understand where the negativity is coming from because uh, more important than the Hall of Fame and whether you get a bust or not is the fact that Eli was a Hall of Fame person, and that to me is a lot more important. And more to the point, uh, when you look at all the quarterbacks that have made the Hall of Fame, I think there's 12 that have won multiple Super Bowls. Uh, 
when you look at statistics and so forth and so on, the importance or the worth of the person to the team is what's paramount, not what you actually do in a Super Bowl. I mean, Bob Greasy, who won two Super Bowls, didn't even throw for 100 yards in either game. And it, it doesn't make any sense to me looking at it overall, and I feel the same way in regards to you, Jeff. If you if – you, if you establish yourself and you make yourself into uh, you know, a, a great player uh, and you do great things on the field, I don't understand the negativity of why you would even question why someone like Eli would not make the Hall of Fame. And I was just curious from your perspective why you think that exists. I'm not even talking about Eli directly. Yeah. I know the press has their own reasons for doing what they do. To but draw attention the to themselves, record, Scott. It doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. No, Scott, that's all it is. People want to draw attention platform, to themselves. And they have a platform to do it. And That's it. Yeah. You know, but I, I don't think it's fair. I really don't. I feel like, you know, when you look at the, the body of work, if you will, using that term, right. I think that pretty much in, well, can encompass somebody the fact that if they do or they don't. Okay. So even though that, you know, you say Bob Greasy didn't throw for 100 yards in those two two games, but, you know, what did right. Bob Greasy do over the, the length of his career to put him into right. Super Bowls? And, and, that, and, I, and that's the point I was trying yeah, to and make. I think it's, it's a, your well, career that is yeah, important, yeah. not necessarily what you do in an individual game. And, and by the way, you know, for, for punting purposes, let's just, you know, I was never, I was never a for-average punter, like meaning I didn't kick the ball 60 yards to get a 60-yard punt. I was doing the things to be effective to try to help you Correct. win the game. Therefore, right. my averages were not that high, but my my placement and you know taking the 26-yard punt to get the ball inside the 20 rather than kick it you know 46 yards into the end zone and have my Correct. gross average so high. So you know, when, and I think you're a person that can understand that. But when there's people that go back and look at Jeff Eagle's numbers and you see his average was this and his net was this, and yeah, he played 22 seasons and he's a Super Bowl champion and Pro Bowls and all that kind of stuff, that's not going to matter to them because all they want to see is, well, doesn't the punter supposed to kick the ball as far as he can and shouldn't he have these types of averages when everybody else does? So it's not a fair comparison. you got to get into the nuts and bolts, and the nuts and bolts of Eli Manning are the guy got you to two Super Bowls. He won Correct. two Super Bowl championships and two Super Bowl MVPs with an, with an organization that's got four of them in the trophy case now, and I think that that's to me, is the embodiment of somebody that needs to go into the Hall of Fame. So and like and like Paul said, and I'll be done after this. Um, there is no there is no uh, debate about this to a lot of people, but some people want to sit there and complain and come. And, and I was so mad Friday. I mean, here we got a guy that's, that has given all his life to this organization, and you got people in the area that are sitting there trying to to keep him out of the Hall of Fame on his one day that he's going to retire. It's like, can right. you just give it a break? You know? Yeah, and that was the thing that surprised me about all of this because, as I said, Eli Manning was a Hall of Fame person to the organization. And oh, yeah. I'm not going to recount everything he did, but I think both you and Paul, I think, feel the same way that we're getting to the point where it's getting a little ridiculous as to how you're measuring the net worth of a person in regards to how they play football. In your case, Jeff, for example, you hold a record that no one else is going to hold for a long time, kicking the ball you know, inside yeah. the 20-yard line. Yeah. So when you talk about Eli, he's accomplished so much. I just don't understand how they look. They can't take what you were saying in, in the overall purview and say, hey, this guy's accomplished all of this. 
there's no need for a debate in regards to that. And that was the thing that disturbed me. So I was just curious your perspective. And I think, Paul, you addressed it a little bit in regards to saying that, you know, this is what they do. But it reaches a point where it becomes like a fail-safe. You just don't want to listen to it anymore. Yeah. And you just want to have people recognize for what they have accomplished, not what they didn't accomplish. And that was the point I was trying to make. And I'll, I'll take your answers off. Thank you. Thanks All right, again. Scott. Yeah, there's no, there's no question. I, I Look, I've had so many people come up with uh, what they believe are arguments against Eli Manning to go into the hall, and they're, they're all a joke. They're preposterous. They don't hold any water. It, you know, because the, the two things that I hear more from the critics than anything else, his regular season career one-loss record, which, of course, if you know anything about the game of football, you know that that should never be pinned on the quarterback. There are too many other factors involved. But they do. They go. They do it because they're shallow and don't understand the game. To, yeah, and to me, I think that if you, you know, that's a joke. If you want to have a way to put people in the Hall of Fame, okay, like you have a way to put people in the playoffs and put people in the Super Bowl, then you have to come up with a criteria of each position. And if that person checks those boxes, then he's a Hall of Famer. Well, but yeah. that will never happen. Well, here's the thing: because in baseball, 300 wins for a pitcher is such an automatic. People think, oh, pitcher one-loss record is such a big deal for the Hall of Fame. Maybe the quarterback's one-loss record should be a big deal in the NFL. Except you're wrong. In the NFL, there are 53 guys on a roster. There's a lot of offense and defense that goes into it. In baseball, not nearly as many factors impact an individual's one-loss record as they do in football. Yeah. So it, it doesn't equate. And I really think that's where it comes from. The ignorance of putting that baseball criteria for a pitcher on an NFL quarterback. So that's the first one. The second one that I that I constantly hear, oh, he never led the league in touchdown throws, and um, he had far too many interceptions. Well, you're talking about a guy who never gave a crap about his stats. Mm -hmm. All he tried to do was help his team win each and every time he was on the field, and it was at the expense of his stats. He would take the hit for his stats any day of the week in order to try to help his team win. Yeah. So don't throw that stat at me because that's worthless. No question. Yeah, I agree with you, Paul. I did, I, I'm tired of having the discussion. And listen, I, I, you know, you can, some people could argue that he, you know, until the cows come home, that he should be in and shouldn't. But until there's a criteria that you can check the boxes, then it's, in, it's up to the committee. And then, which is a joke for a lot of this stuff. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, you know, I, I, and I, I mean, I don't know if you did. You, I didn't even watch any of the Pro Bowl yesterday because I, I just feel I, just I did want, not. I, I just feel like it's such a, it's, it's not even a game anymore. Um, you know, I, well, I feel they like don't it's even just tackle a, anymore. Did, did, yeah, no, I, I didn't did, see, I didn't see it. All one, right, I didn't see one and thing going about going through the channels. I actually saw a couple of plays at the end of the first half, and there was a two-minute drill. Okay, and as they're trying to move the ball down the field, it's like touch. That's exactly what they did. Yeah, it was, it was. They actually played touch football on the two-minute drill. There was no tackle. Goes, oh, blow the whistle, yeah. touch football, yeah. boom, blow the whistle, he's down. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is this is just, you know. Can I tell Why you don't we just eggs <laughs> on their belts and like, let's just call well, it what it is, flag football. Don't be surprised if one day it gets to that in the Pro Bowl, this is being a flag football game. Can I tell you real quickly what I was doing yesterday because I didn't watch the game? Okay. And, this is very, and I, and I want to make a point. we got to get to this. Okay, just real quickly. Listen, I have a, one of my best friends lost their dog. Oh. Okay, and he was missing all night, um, and we looked for him, 
you know, the next day. And I got to tell you people, if there's ever a situation where you have this happen, the power of social media is incredible because today, you know, years and years ago without it, we probably would have never found this dog, but you did. We did find him. I'm so glad. But the, the power of social media with Facebook and just getting all these different groups and let people know that we're looking for this dog and where in the area he disappeared. We found the dog because somebody saw the dog and reported it on Facebook and we were able to go to the area and that's how we found wow. it. Wow. So, I mean, for those pet owners out there, how when you lose your dog. How far was he? He was, well, from where he ran off, um, he jumped out of the car. He's a puppy. He's a lap. And when he jumped, he was going to Camp Bow Wow, which was like an overnight kennel. They, you know, they were putting him in there, and he didn't like the place. So when the when she opened the, oh he goodness. just ran off. And so, but they found he was probably about a mile and a half from where he ran off. Wow. And that was the area he he spent the night in. But my my point here is, folks, if this ever happens to any of you, use social media. It works. It works. So, anyways, let's go to Don. <laughs> Don, you're the last caller on the show. We're really out of time, but we're going to get you in anyway. Yeah, all right, Don. What's Thank up? you for calling. How you doing, guys? I'll be real quick. P-Dot, I'm glad you mentioned that 2011 game with the Patriots with Eli Manning in 2011. That was an amazing game. I just want to piggyback on that. There Thank was you. one more game. I'm being a little biased because I was at the game. When the Giants played the Cowboys, and they were down 11 points with two minutes left, and Eli struck again. And then they went into overtime, and JPP blocked the, the field goal by the Cowboys, and the Giants ended up winning that game. That well, was a huge they, game that year. They ruined Jerry's world. Uh, that was that was Jerry's big, you know, big palace, and Eli signed his signature in the locker that's room right. on the wall. I was in that game. That's, that, that's right. It was priceless. That was the first year I moved out here. It was yep. amazing. Yep. Um, and then the other things, I just want to play a little quick game with you. I was out with a couple of friends, and we were just tormenting each other. Of course, we're all different fans of different teams. And we started talking about what – team of, of the guys that we liked was expected to win and really let us down and hurt us bad. And of course, the Patriot fan won that one year. They, they were mentioning the one team that didn't win it with the expectations that were so high. Of course, he wins with the 18-1 and one Patriots, but I threw mine in there and I felt it was the 08 Giants team when they yeah. had just won the Super Bowl and they had earth, wind, and fire and that was the year Plexico unfortunately shot yep. himself. I feel that was the, the yeah. best, most recent Giants team with such high expectations that did it win. If you have any other teams you can think about, P. Dot or Jeff, fill me in. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Uh, okay. I I just I think I think you're right. That 08 team was on paper. I think we it were. Was. Listen, we won a lot of games that year and did nothing with it. Um, but we were a really good team because you're right. We could run the football. We were averaging over 200 yards a game running the football, um, with Earth, Wind, and Fire in that offensive line and. Things were, yeah, I agree with you. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. I was on that team, and I'll tell you what a setback we had that. I mean, it was just, wow, wow. And I, and I should correct myself. It was 2009 when Eli signed the wall, uh, Jerry's World. Okay. I should go back and, and say that. That's not the game because it was later on in 2011 season when JPP did the block. Yeah, because I – Block field goal. Yeah, that's, I was at this game. Yeah, you were at this game when yeah. he signed the wall. They were literally still finishing the field in pregame when we were getting ready to play that game they were still they had the they had their they, they had the blowers out there you know the, the yeah. backpack blowers and they were still putting carpet in i mean it was like a, the last second to get that game ready to go now they had played a couple preseason games before that there but um the, their first real regular season game was in that stadium great stuff jeff as always yeah good stuff good start to monday and uh, thanks for all the great calls as always and uh one more read for you come I'll on 
Well, it's, it's high on me. There you go. As you know, Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment Made to Chill. That is our sponsor on the show. We are out of time. Right, Paulie? We are out of time, but we are always going to be here every single weekday from 12 noon till 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And the number to call is 201-939-4513 or hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you want to hit him up, he is at Jay Fiegels or I am at Giants WFAN if you want to get to us directly on Twitter. Until tomorrow and the next BBKL, we'll see you next time.